0: Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror.
1: Was terrorism the elephant in the room at the first democratic debate? Welcome to the terrorist therapist show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist, and you're terrorist therapist. Yes. Where was terrorism at the first presidential Democratic debate? They forgot to invite terrorism. Now I know what you're thinking. Oh well, they talked about Iran and they talked about um, things kind of, sort of related to terrorism. But do you know that the word terror, and terrorist, and terrorists were only mentioned three times. Each of those words were mentioned once. So altogether, three times in the whole Democratic debate. And I watched the whole thing from beginning to end. Uh, <laughs> it really, it really was kind of a snooze, but and really kind of sad that um, that this is what we have. I mean, I know this was only the first debate, but um, you know, we have to see what's coming up. Perhaps um, there are some more more interesting candidates, um, more candidates that we can feel are strong enough to lead this country. Um, my favorite, and I will tell you why in a bit, but um, my favorite, and I don't really know anything more about him, than what I saw at the debate, other than knowing that he went to Yale Law School and he was the mayor of Newark, and then now he is a senator from New Jersey, and that is Cory Booker. He is the only one, well, I'll tell you now and I'll get back to it. <laughs> um, they asked, What is the, well, they asked um, about who, he was the only one who wanted to keep his options open in regard to the Iran nuclear deal. So I'll get back to that. But anyway, everybody else was really kind of a snooze and it's really kind of scary. Um, So what about terrorism? Why was they, where was terrorism in these debates? Uh, The Democratic candidates in denial about how important their focus should be on terrorism. You know, their focus, of course, is, and understandably, is mainly on beating President Trump. But um, what they're forgetting is that uh, one of the reasons why Trump got elected was because of his strong stance on terrorism. Certainly for me, that was the number one reason why I voted for Trump, because um, he was the only one uh, during, for 2016, who you know, from the primaries to the ultimate election between uh, Trump and Hillary, uh, he was the only one all along who could give me and others other Americans confidence that he was going to be tough on terror, and indeed he has been he's followed through with that and is continuing to be so so the fact that these presidential hopefuls are um, barely acknowledging that, yes, terrorism is a major problem for the U.S., and they need to have a major uh, stance on it, a major plan for it, um, rather than pretending that it doesn't exist. Now, what they were mainly talking about um, was socialism, you know, things related to the economy, which they want to make socialist, which is, You know, it makes me feel every time that I hear that, um, and some are more for that than others, certainly. But every time I hear that someone uh, has that in mind, a socialist agenda, I feel like I'm in on another planet. I mean, we are in America, right? The United States of America um, when I was growing up, I don't know about you, but we would read about socialism and communism, you know, so we had democracy. I remember the teacher writing it on the board. There would be a column for democracy, a column for socialism, and a column for uh, communism. And, you know, this was, these were big questions. What are the differences between these three kinds of economies and governments? And um, there was no question but that socialism and communism were bad when um, capitalism and democracy were good. And I have not changed in my belief about that. (laughs) I don't see any reason why um, there should be a change in that. And it seems like these people, and not necessarily, you know, I'm not just talking about the people last night or even all the people last night, um, certainly Bernie Sanders uh, is one of the worst, if not the worst on this, you know, promoting socialism. But, um, and he wasn't in the debate last night, he's going to be in the, in the debate, the second debate. But um, whenever I hear them talking about this, I mean, I feel like, did they miss those history lessons? Were they, um, were they, were they skipping school? in social studies class when the teachers were teaching these things. I mean, it is so absurd because of course they don't mention who's going to be paying for these things. Well, I'll leave socialism um, for the next democratic debate because surely Bernie Sanders is going to be talking a lot about that. So I will save my comments about that. I'll try to stick to terrorism, which is, which is nobody else seems to be doing uh, amongst these candidates. Um, uh, Trump during tweeted out, boring. That was his first tweet in regard to the debate. Um, you know, of course, I mean, I'm sure, well, I mean, you know, I, I'm sure he didn't mean boring in the sense, well, I shouldn't say I'm sure, but presumably he didn't mean boring in the sense that he wants to know what all these candidates have to say in order to be able to better um, stand up against them. But boring, certainly, in terms of nobody really taking a strong position. There was nobody that I felt I would feel, if they were president, that I would feel confident with, that I would feel safe with, that they were going to take good care of our country. And, yes, I'm talking mainly about terrorism. Um, So... uh, you know and again they there was this there were these references to terrorism again i'm not i don't want to i don't want to not acknowledge this there were references to iran of course and but not specifically in regard to how iran is um the biggest propagator of terrorism and how they are doing things um supporting various terrorist groups and in fact, making various terrorists, sending uh, people out from Iran to make terrorist camps all over the world. There was an article about it recently in regard to Africa, and it, specifically in regard to Iran setting up these camps, um, and they would, would be there to, to um, create attacks on American embassies and so on. So, you know, yes, Iran, so there are things in regard to Iran, not just the fact that they um, hit our drone, uh, you know, the most recent problem, but um, things about Iran and terrorism around the world. So there were only three times that terrorism, that the word, that terror or um, a terror word was mentioned uh, specifically. And one was by Tulsi Gabbard, who is the um, representative from Hawaii, and her, she said, "I enlisted in the Army National Guard after Al after the Al Qaeda terror attacks of 9/11. So I would go after those who had attacked us on that day." She meant she wasn't saying she was saying that's why she enlisted. Um, in the Army National Guard, so she could go against those people at that time. Then Tim Ryan, uh, who's a representative from Ohio, said, we're talking about this. Now, he's, this is in regard to um, immigration, this is the first part of what he said. We're talking about this father who got killed and his daughter, and the way these kids are being treated. If you go to Guantanamo Bay there are terrorists that are held that get better health care than those kids that have tried to cross the border in the U.S. So that's the word terrorists. Then um, in his arguing with Tulsi Gabbard, he said later on, if the U.S. isn't engaged, and they were, they were referring, they were arguing about Afghanistan, if the U.S. isn't engaged, the Taliban will grow and they will have bigger, bolder terrorist acts. Those are the only three mentions of a word with the word terror in it. Very scary, very sad. Now, um, towards the end of the debate, the moderator asked in a kind of lightning round, what is the biggest geopolitical threat to the US in one word? When we come back, I will tell you what those words were.
0: You've been listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Now back to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll.
1: Welcome back to The Terrorist Therapist Show, where today we're talking about the first democratic debates, Uh, and the question that I have is, was terrorism the elephant in the room at these debates? It was hardly an invited guest. Uh, The Democratic candidates for president seem to (laughs) perhaps be more in denial about terrorism than um, the rest of the world or the rest of Americans. Um, You would certainly think that that would be an important topic to talk about um, if you're running for president, what you are going to do in the war on terror. It it just boggles my mind that um, it wasn't. Now, I was saying before the break, that the moderator asked for a lightning round. His question was, what is the biggest geopolitical threat to the U.S. in one word? So um, the um, Washington governor, Jay Inslee, he was actually the cleverest, not that he got the most uh, applause because he said, and this was kind of in the middle of this uh, lightning round after various people had said various things. Um, he said that the biggest geo- geopolitical threat to the US in one word is, or two words, Donald Trump. So he got big applause and I must say that was kind of clever and funny. Um, <laughs> if if it, It's perhaps inappropriate. Um, The New York mayor, Bill de Blasio, said Russia. The former Texas representative, um, Beto O'Rourke said climate change. And of course that has caused some debate since he said that, you know, the debate as to whether this is climate change is a geopolitical uh, threat. Um, And then other people, Spera said either China, nuclear proliferation or Iran. Now again, I know what you're thinking, Iran, if you say Iran, that relates to terrorism, but nobody said the word. It's like they were all afraid to say the word terror. Terrorist, terrorist attack, terrorism. Um, it struck terror in them, apparently. Uh, there was very little in the whole debate, the whole um, evening on um, foreign policy which again is um, very strange. And when they asked a question about uh, the Iran nuclear deal, what would they, they had the, the uh, candidates raise their hand if they pledged to rejoin the Iran nuclear deal. And everybody raised their hand except Cory Booker, which is why he was my favorite for the evening. He said he wants to keep his options open to negotiate a better deal. Now, FYI, <laughs> the Iran nuclear deal was a catastrophe. This was a, uh, one of the many things that Obama did when he was president that made America more dangerous, more danger to America, put America in more danger than anything else. Because how do you make a deal with a country or a person who, you know, if you can think about this in your own life, would you make a deal with a person who has been lying to you, who you know already is not to be trusted from past things that they've done or past times that they've said death to you or may horrible things happen to you or you know where where um, they have been your enemy. Now, that isn't to say that we can't make deals with people or countries who were our enemy if um, there is some basis for thinking that you can trust them now. Now, with Iran, as has been uh, illustrated by their recent uh, little trick, caper, (laughs) of uh, striking our drone and claiming that we were in Iranian airspace when we were in international airspace, so I mean, just recently, Iran proved itself to not be trustworthy. So you can't make a nuclear deal, you know, a deal where you are counting on a country um, to keep their word about um, going forward and becoming more um, prolific and more, uh, more of a danger in terms of nuclear weapons so and this deal i mean there were many things wrong with it but this deal one of the things was that it was only good for 10 years so what does that mean i mean iranians terrorists have, a, a, have more patience i guess than americans and um they ain't going away they haven't gone away their intent to, to destroy america to, to destroy the west has never gone away And so to make a deal with, to give them 10 years to surreptitiously get better in their development of nuclear arms and then have the deal be, that's the end of the deal. You know, we agreed that this deal is only good for 10 years. So 10 years from now or from 2015, when the deal was made, then lo and behold, um, they have a whole arsenal of nuclear weapons. And this thing that I was mentioning about how there are—it are, has been reported now that there are these camps um, in Africa, and I'm sure in other places as well, where set where where Iran sent people to these places, uh, places where they will are least likely to be detected, to set up camps, um, one to attack American. Um, American stations, you know, American embassies and so on in these countries, but also certainly, you know, we are not looking in a lot of these places where Iran has sent people and who is to say that they are not developing nuclear arms in in other places, underground or very well hidden in a jungle. (laughs) I mean, it was so short-sighted and so uh, naive. Naive is the word. Um, that actually um, that is giving uh, Obama <laughs> the um, credit. I mean, you know that's that's the best thing, the best word that one could use to if to to explain what he was doing, if not, if not um, on purpose wanting to put America in more danger from terrorism. But we won't go there right now. But I will say that um, Cory Booker's answer to this, um, in in and in light of everybody else raising their hand and his sticking to his guns, that no um, he wants to keep his options open to negotiate a better deal, that tells a lot. You know, it tells that he is a, a, an independent thinker. It tells that he's not afraid to stand up there and um, say what he would do about this, um, even though apparently the other candidates thought that that wouldn't be a Um, you know, something that the American people would want to hear, which I think is not right. Um, You know, I I don't think that, uh, I don't think that there, I think there are a lot of American people who do want to hear or do, who do believe that the Iran nuclear deal was bad and it was courageous of Trump to get us out of it. So, um, but this whole question, what is the biggest geopolitical threat to the U.S. in one word? The, it's a bad question to begin with because it assumes that the best way to assess a potential president's foreign policy is what they are most afraid of, as if that is the only thing um, that we should consider and and not looking at um, you know, it's the only thing is, is whatever they're most afraid of and how much they're going to confront that danger. But it doesn't leave opportunities to look at, in terms of um, foreign policy, what about someone coming out and saying... Um, that wasn't the question, but what about in the rest of the time that they had, that where they weren't answering that question, or even as part of it? Well, they only got to do it in one word. But um, you know, the idea is that maybe that that their foreign policy shouldn't only include what the president's going to do about threats, the worst threat, what this each candidate was most afraid of, but it should. They should also have been asked what they see as the biggest opportunities in foreign policy. You know, are there economic opportunities? Are there uh, moral opportunities? Are there, you know, positive, um, productive things that could be opportunities in terms of foreign policy? Not just um, finding out what each of these people were afraid of, and again, you know, it was one word, so it didn't even give them the chance to say what they would do for uh, against that threat, which was really the key question. Okay, fine, you want to do that in kind of a cool, quirky way of, of asking that question, uh, giving them only one word but, um, to answer, but then what about giving them another 30 seconds or one minute to say what they would do about that threat? So here we were, faced with all of the things that these candidates are scared of and not what they would do to fix it. Well, when we come back, we'll talk more about the democratic debate and another, an issue that they did talk a lot about um, and again, leaving terrorism out of this other topic, which was immigration.
0: You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Stay tuned, and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Now back to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll.
1: Welcome back. Today we're talking about the first democratic debate for president. Uh, the first 10 candidates, and I am saying that terrorism was the elephant in the room. It was not mentioned at all. It was not invited to the debate, even though there was talk around it, but no one seemed to have the guts to actually mention it by name, except for the three times that I described before. Now, what was a big topic, however, at the debate was immigration, You know, because, uh, well, because even before the debate, that has been the um, biggest bone of contention between the Democrats and President Trump. So, um, you know, it's no wonder that this was talked about a lot. However, (laughs) um, this talk about immigration did not mention terrorism either when, in fact, um, there are terrorists coming across the border. Now, I did a previous podcast on this. It was called something about the dirty dozen uh, crossing the border. I mean, we know already, and, and that, was, that was a few months ago. So it's not a big secret <laughs> that um, there, are, there are dozens, at least one dirty dozen, and now I'm going to be telling you about more, People, uh, ISIS, um, uh, people who are who are ISIS, um, what I, ISIS devotees, um, coming across the border. Now, um, in fact, there have been more more than the dirty dozen who have been uh, caught on their way to the U.S. border, and and this this these four um, who I'm going to tell you about were not on the US terrorist watch lists, and indeed ISIS has been trying to recruit people to cross the border Uh, as I mentioned in my previous podcast about you know ISIS people crossing the border ISIS isn't well in general I talk about how terrorists or at least the leaders are not idiots Uh, except except for wanting to destroy the West. But, you know, they're not idiots about how they're going about it. And they see that our southern border, it has lots of holes and is a great place, a great way to get into the U.S. So, for example, there were three suspects, ISIS, you know, recruits, who were headed north from costa rica and who were then thank goodness detained in nicaragua and their names are ibrahim mohammed from egypt originally uh, mohammed essa or isa from egypt originally ahmed ghanim mohammed al Jibouri from iraq originally and um Also, another Iraqi um, who was detained in Nicaragua. Now, um, one of these Iraqis who were detained turns out to be a convicted murderer in Iraq who was given a life sentence, and somehow he finds himself trying to cross the border into the U.S., and um, he had a real passport with his real name. Now, none of these people were on the U.S. terrorist watch list. Um, it is interesting to ponder how they were found, how they were detected and um, detained uh, before they crossed the border. But let's just, for now, um, think about how fortunate we are that they were detained so now terrorists terrorist countries are particularly and isis are particularly trying to send newbies to america people with no paper trail of criminal activity to make them you know be less um able to be spotted or questioned and um, they're still investigating the details of these four people's ties to isis but um, there are convicted murderers and other security threats that are already known to have crossed the border into the U.S. Now, aside from terror, so, you know, so there were there could have been there was a uh, reason to connect terrorism to immigration. But of course, that would not be the Democrat um, that's not the democratic agenda. The democratic agenda, they don't want to talk about terrorists crossing the border, crossing the Mexican border. Why would they want to talk about that when they want to get as many people as possible to cross the border? Why? Because it is more likely that the people crossing the border um, will vote democratic. I mean, this really isn't, um, it doesn't take... uh, (laughs) A brain surgeon to figure this out that the more PM because and California, where I live, although you know where I moved to from my native New York, California is the best or worst example of that, where uh, the borders, you know, the governor is the last one to want to close the border, Um, he is calling California a, a sanctuary state. And there are sanctuary cities that have also called themselves, you know, voted to call, the, uh, call themselves sanctuary cities in California. So they, you know, they want to keep California democratic. And what's the best way to do that? Keep people coming over the border. I mean, I, I hope the American people, I hope you, I'm sure, I, will, I will trust that you, since you're listening to this podcast, know that already, uh, and see this you know this uh, strategy for what it is now there are also aside from terrorists coming across the border there are also many criminals coming across the border despite how much the Democrats don't want you to to realize that um, and um, they criminals and and this is you know they are they have uh, gotten these reports from people at the border, from the, from the authorities at the border who are looking into who these people are or trying to. Um, they have found that a lot of criminals are have you know jumped on the bandwagon where uh, there was this rule that anyone who comes with a child is given amnesty. And so a lot of the criminals, have appeared um, across the border with a child lo and behold, they found a child to bring across the border to try to get amnesty. so these people are being released into the u s with a notice to appear to you know for their amnesty trials and of course, the majority of them don't appear. <laughs> they are not idiots <laughs> they uh, some of them appear, but for the most part, they just travel throughout the u s and um, go, you know, try to go find a sanctuary city, or um, a sanctuary state, or, um, you know, just try to go under the radar. Now, listen to these numbers. Um, The January 2019 caravan that came across, of those one quarter had criminal convictions from prior time being in the U.S., criminal convictions in the U.S. from their time that they had been in the U.S. before. And they were deported, and of course they come back. And a quarter of them had criminal convictions, not just, you know, allegations, charges, but convictions. So the numbers are out of 3,345 who left Honduras, Um, there were 860 of them who had criminal convictions. So that's how we get approximately a quarter. Now, some of these convictions included assault with a deadly weapon, sexual offenses, including rape. There were at least 47 of these people who were gang members. And then this, isn't, this is talking about criminal convictions in the U.S., but there are untold numbers who had criminal convictions in their home countries. And um, a number of them come from countries who don't share information with the U.S., so we don't know about a lot of them, you know, whether they had criminal convictions or not. And we, for the most part, we don't have any idea of who these people are before they are released into the U.S. because they give random names, random dates of birth. Uh, some of them come in with false passports. Many of them don't even have false passports. They just, you know, swim in, crawl in, do whatever to get in. Now, I think, of course, it's a tragedy, this picture that has been going around of a father with his arm around his daughter or his daughter has, having her arm around him. Of course, that's really, really sad. But the thing is, if these people stayed in their home countries and tried to call for amnesty from their home countries, or at least from Mexico, they wouldn't get into these dangerous positions. Now, I know some of you are thinking, oh my God, that sounds so incredibly harsh. Do I wish that the, I mean, do I wish that the father hadn't brought his family, his wife and his daughter over in the first place? But people have to know that there is danger, all kinds of danger in trying to come from their home countries to the U.S. and cross the border, whether it's dangers, you know, getting robbed or um, having, you know... um, Criminal things happen to them on their way from their home country across Mexico to the US. I mean, there are all kinds of dangers, getting, not getting enough food, um, getting sick, all of these things. So (laughs) the answer to that is stay in your home country, apply the legal way, and some of you will get accepted. Of course, another answer is we and, and we do do this, but we can, of course, do more to help these countries like Honduras um, do better in their economy and and um, so that people and do better in terms of the criminality in these countries, so that people aren't this desperate to come to the U.S. Now, the numbers, again, are staggering. There are 208,000 aliens who have been released into the U.S. since December 21st. So January, February, March, April, May, June, like in approximately the last six months, 208,000 aliens, we don't know their name, their real names, their real dates of birth, their real um, criminal history, what illnesses they are carrying with them, communicable illnesses, and so on. And um, even, you know, there have been some recent stories of refugees who are supposed to be fully vetted they have committed, many, several of them have committed crimes in the U.S., such as, recent, and I'm talking about recently, there have been things in the news about them, like a Ukrainian refugee who killed Americans, um, a Czech refugee who killed Americans, and a Syrian refugee, who I talked about on a previous podcast, who was um, formulating a plot to attack a church in Pittsburgh. So these are the vetted refugees, you know, which shows that there are problems that need to be fixed in our vetting process. So imagine what about the 208,000 aliens that we know nothing about. It's a serious problem and it's uh, it's time to you know, stop trying to fool Americans and think that the only reason, you know, tell us that the only reason why you want these, ref- these refugees or these aliens to come to cross the border is because you, know, you feel compassionate towards them, not because you want them to vote Democrat. Well, thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist.